Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, church. Man, so good to hear you all fellowshipping. How much were you blessed by that time of worship this morning? Uh, most Sundays, Justin or I, whoever's preaching, is usually behind the yeah. stage listening to the voices, and we were just commenting on how fun it is for us at certain parts of the song that are really impactful, where our, our people just worship so authentically. It's such a blessing to us, and so we're thankful for you. And uh, man, this morning, if you're a guest with us, welcome to our church. Uh, this is kind of a little bit of an unusual setup this morning as we're in week two of what we call Group Connect here at Salem Heights. And really, this is our push to invite our church family to get connected. We've, we've been off for the summer. We've been out doing our things, vacationing, doing lots of projects around the house. And now as uh, the weather starts to change and our, and our students return to school, uh, this is when we gather again into our groups ministries throughout the weeks. And so we've been sharing last week a little bit about why groups matter. And this morning, we're gonna be talking a little bit about that in regards to how families can get connected. And we wanna answer some of the frequently asked questions we get about groups ministry, hopefully be able to minister to all of you and then give you time this uh, after service to be able to go and visit all the booths that are out there with more information. But we have a couple of ministries that uh, we haven't been able to bring the people up and highlight, but we wanted to make sure you were aware of them. And there's two what we call intensive discipleship ministries here at Salem Heights. Uh, the first is called The Most Excellent Way, and it is a ministry that uh, offers uh, hope and help to those who are struggling with addiction. Um, yeah. yeah. We have uh, people who participated in the most excellent way all throughout the auditorium, but a lot of them are concentrated in this area right up here, yeah. which is great. We love them. And, uh, but really, what we believe here is that those who are in Christ Jesus are free indeed. Amen? Yeah. And so our addiction doesn't define us. It's something that the Lord can give us victory over. And so we have a ministry, meets here Mondays at seven o'clock, the men at one end of the building, the women at the other end of the building. We actually have a, a whole room dedicated to what we call friends and family, where people who have family members trapped in addiction can come and learn how to walk alongside their friends and family and be able to assist them um, and something that's very, very difficult. And so we have a group that meets here on Monday nights here at Salem Heights. And then on Tuesday nights, we have a group that meets over at West Salem Baptist Church. And so we wanted you to be aware of that. This is a really great ministry. It's a ministry that you might think is just for a certain segment of our church. But the reality is, is that many, many people are struggling with addiction in some form. And we don't want that to be uh, an, uh, the identity that someone assumes. And so um, there is an identity that we have in Christ that is greater than anything we're trapped in with sin. And so if you are interested about that ministry, learning more about it, they have a table set up right in our atrium. They will love Pastor Matt and a lot of his staff are out there wearing their most excellent way uh, t-shirts. Make sure you find one of them this morning and talk with them. The second area of ministry we haven't uh, highlighted up front, but we want to make sure you're aware of is our biblical counseling ministry here at Salem Heights. We've talked a lot about it, um, but we offer free biblical counseling here at Salem Heights to our church family and to the community. And uh, we believe that uh, we've all been made to minister, that we can walk alongside one another because we have the Spirit of God, which gives us understanding of the Word of God, where true help is offered. 
And so if you are struggling and in need of counseling, and you're like, I don't know who to talk to, uh, you can visit our church website or you can visit the table out here just outside um, in our lobby this morning and visit our biblical counseling table. They can give you more information about how to get plugged in for counseling. But we also have what we call Equipped to Counsel, and it is our uh, biblical training for counseling. And it's a class that is offered uh, to our people and to many churches. We've had uh, people from churches, about 50 different churches, send folks here to get trained in the area of biblical counseling. And really all we're doing is helping them have a little bit more skill on how to use the word of God to minister to those who God places in their path. And so uh, space is filling up. Those classes are gonna start here in a few weeks. But if you're interested maybe in getting some counseling training, what does that mean? How intensive is it? What does it require of me? Uh, Our biblical counseling team would love to meet with you and give you answers to those questions as well. One other thing we have to highlight this morning before we get into it. Oh, and this is Pastor Justin, by the way. It feels a little like Penn and Teller so far yeah. this morning. Yeah, I'll just, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to talk a lot. Yeah. He's going to talk a lot. You're going you're to get to hear from him too. Um, I'm just so excited all the time. They wanted me to give these announcements. Yes. So. Registers is true. Yes. Most excellent way. <laughs> Helped him. We, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Happy now, forever. All right. <laughs> just, just accept it. Just let yeah. it flow over me. Uh, we had something happen. We've been planning for months our all-church barbecue, which is an opportunity for our church to come together. We have two churches that meet here on Sunday, one at 9 and one at 11. Yeah. And so that was our big opportunity to bring everyone together and just fellowship as people are getting connected. And wouldn't you know, after the heat we've been having, it rained and it rained and it rained on Thursday. And so as many as you know, we, we made a move that morning to just preserve what that night was really about, which was watching 11 people get baptized and profess their faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And take the Lord's Supper together and then pray for our church, pray for one another, pray for the ministries. And so we moved that here and it was a special night. Um, Several hundred people were still able to make it that night. And uh, it was just a really sweet opportunity. I'm just so thankful for our team, thankful for our church to make that adjustment the day of and still not let it detract from giving glory to God and testifying to that. Yeah, it was a profound time. I think uh, we, are, we have a regular, on a regular basis an opportunity to see people get baptized, but to have everybody come together, pray, uh, and celebrate that way when, I mean, uh, yeah, it, the skies opened up yeah. and uh, messed up the plan, but didn't mess up God's plan. Absolutely. It was really fun. Well, this morning, we want to just recap what we talked about last week, because there's a biblical basis for why we believe groups are important, and we find it in the book of Acts. And so if you have a copy of God's Word and want to join us, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. We're going to kind of recap what we talked about last week, and then we're going to answer some of the questions that sometimes get in the way of people getting connected with other people. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. We're going to read verses 10 through 15. It says this in verse 10, as soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were more noble character than those in Thessalonica since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of prominent Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there 
Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, as we turn our attention to your word and we talk about the importance of being connected to one another, I pray, God, that you would use this passage to minister to our hearts. God, would you reveal what it is that you would have us do, how we would get connected and how we might serve one another. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Last week, Pastor Justin, you highlighted kind of five distinctives of gospel-centered small groups that uh, we saw from Gary Purdy, but maybe kind of recap those for us this morning. Yeah, I just want you to notice, if you weren't here last week, there was a couple of things that we got, uh, that we highlighted out of this passage, and this isn't um, uh, the central passage for talking about small groups. They're found throughout the scriptures. Um, One of the key words we highlighted as you go through this passage, it was nighttime, They had to send Paul and Silas away for their own safety. And they arrive in this place called Berea. And it says, upon arrival, they went into the synagogue. And there's a word there that gets uh, used all the way through the New Testament. Um, It's highlighted here as synagogue. Uh, In other places, you will hear it as the gathering together of believers. Uh, It's a small group of people who were eager to receive the truth. So this synagogue uh, received Paul and Silas. They heard the gospel. They began to consider what it was that they were saying. This is the truth coming out of the word of God. They were saying to these people, this truth has always been God's plan. Instead of just running them off or saying, well, that's not the way I understood it or rejecting their thought as something foreign, they saw that they were quoting scripture. They saw that what they were saying was coming out of not only their experience, but the word. And so they began to go to the word and they studied those things. It says they were of more noble character uh, than those in Thessalonica. Thessalonica, they already had their ideas. And if you're not saying what I say, I'm going to run you off. Now imagine living in a society like that. Can you imagine that? You just gather together with people who think like you and you run off everybody who doesn't think like you. That's Thessalonica. He says they were of more noble character. They were open. They saw that what they were saying was coming from the word. So they just said, let's study this and find out if these things are true. Hmm. And the result was that the gospel was driven into their heart and it caused them to do something as a result. And so uh, we just highlighted a few things that we see in this passage, but they're found throughout the scriptures. Activities that small groups participate in or, or values that they have. And the first is that they're open to people from a, a variety of spiritual backgrounds. When they came to the synagogue, somebody had a home to meet in. Somebody had the scriptures. They always would have a copy of the scriptures. Somebody understood how to, before there was the internet, roll back and forth in those scrolls and look for these highlighted portions of scripture that Paul and Silas were talking about. Hmm. They had people from different backgrounds. These folks were new to their faith. They were uh, having other people um, invest in them, but it caused their faith to grow deep. So they're open to a variety of spiritual backgrounds. This is the thing that we want to just keep pressing in. You might come from a different background. The person sitting to your right or to your left will not think like you do in every single way. They just won't. What we do in a small group is we have all of these conflicting ideas and we just lay them at the foot of scripture. We lay in before the Lord and we ask, God, will you help us to be able to see what is the way forward? What ideas? We're not saying that you're all going to gel into one mind, okay? By God's grace, we won't. We'll have a variety of ways of being able to see the world, but one God, 
one faith, one baptism. That's what scripture talks about, that we have one direction for uh, our belief. We'll be focused on the Lord. And they used a small group in this situation to advance that, to shape their thinking so they would see the truth, even though they were coming from different backgrounds. A second thing that is a distinctive of a gospel-centered small group is that they encourage biblical discovery. The Bible should be the center of your small group, okay? So you might be coming there as a result of a certain age group or uh, something that's happened in your, your demographic or there, there might be other things that would bring you into the room, but the goal is not that you would walk away um, convinced about the uniqueness of your life situation. The goal is that you would come away unique, uh, attracted to the uniqueness of the gospel. That you'd be focused on God's ability to answer whatever situation you find yourself in life, God is there. So biblical discovery is central to that. What does God's word say about my situation? You're searching the scriptures to, to find that. Mm. Third, they thrive on honesty and vulnerability. Uh, an author, Mitch Dillon, um, was writing about taking his daughter to college. And just a short while ago, he took her to college and came back and... Uh, she said to her dad, the freaky thing about going to college is how friendly everybody is. He said, I thought about this. And he said, I realized Sarah had never been in a setting where everybody was new, where everybody was a transplant. The strangeness of her experience was due to the fact that her new friends had yet to establish a full set of relationships. So they had room for one another. What causes you to have room for other people? You might be in a small group and you're saying, man, I hope they don't blow our small group up, that they don't uh, you know, cut us in half or remove some of the people. And some of you are already experiencing that concern. At, at 80 people, folks, you're not a small group anymore, okay? <laughs> it's possible you might need to group up into separate places, but here's the one thing that we do want you to invest in. You have to be open to the folks in the room that are hungry for this relationship. And you need to know that some of the excitement that we're seeing I think we had 75 senior saints, new senior, senior saints sign up. Mm. So try to say that three times fast. Um, we have senior saints that are coming to Christ, that are coming to church and that are in need of relationships. We have brand new families with little kids that are coming in wanting to be in participation. We have everything in between. What is it that's gonna cause you to receive them with eagerness like you would at a family event when somebody brings their closest friend? And you're open to them and you welcome them in and you find them a seat at the table. It starts there and it turns into vulnerability. How do we share our life? Fourth, they involve in investing in one another in relationships outside the group. Kind of just touched on that one, but the idea would be that uh, you are connected not just to one small group of people. We said don't huddle and cuddle, right? Uh, we're going to actually find a way to reach out to other people in the community, the folks that you see as you begin to pray about what God would have you do that are in need around you. And finally, they are committed to multiplying. As uh, Paul and Silas began to share the gospel, uh, those folks in Berea said, man, we believe this is true. We, are, we know that this word has to get out. And they come up with a plan. They send Paul one location and the rest of his party another. Uh, they basically create a false trail. So all those people that are trying to hunt them down will get confused in the way. And they come up with a plan. But the reason for the plan was this. This gospel has to get out. 
We need other people to be able to hear these truths. We need you to go and strengthen those churches that have already heard. We want them to continue to receive these things that have transformed our life. Is the truth of the cross so important to you that you're wanting to share it with other people? Mm. A small group is a good place for that fire to grow. So those are the five distinctives uh, that we have tackled and kind of built small groups around. Yeah, and I think it's so important for us to, to see those because, number one, we want everything we do here at the church to be biblically derived. We want it to be something that we see the scripture calling us to rather than something we're wanting to do than trying to find the scripture to support it. Yeah. But we want to be a church full of people who are listening to the word of God, going back personally, individually, studying it fact-checking us, making sure that we're teaching the Word of God accurately, and then allowing that Word to begin to change them from the inside out. You cannot gaze upon the Scriptures and not be changed if you're truly seeking Mm -hmm. truth. That's the promise of the Scriptures. And we believe that one of the best places to study God's Word is in community, those smaller communities where we can make sure that, that we're reading and understanding and applying God's Word accurately. Yeah. We, uh, came up with some questions that some of the folks have been asking. Uh, And so Pete was helping put together this week and we had designed our small group and uh, all the booths that are out there. Hopefully you had time to check one of those out. But there were some questions that remained in the room last week that people were asking and saying, man, I'm struggling to plug in. So I've asked Pete to kind of just walk through some of these uh, answers. And the first one that we heard that was pretty prominent was this, what if I am single? What if I'm single and all the groups that are kind of in the, the age range that I'm in or the life uh, area that I'm in uh, seem to all have couples in them? What do I do? Yeah. Well, the first thing that I want to say is something that um, our women's ministry director said last week mm-hmm. to our women, Julie, and that is if you are single, there's a place for you here. And church family, Salem Heights, if you're not single, we, we need to do a better job of having our head up and looking for those who are coming in and already feel a little bit displaced but are needing that community and invite them in and make sure that they know there's a place for us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're a church that has a lot of families and a lot of kids. And so a lot of times we're inviting families and kids to make them feel included. But we don't want that to be to the dismissing of those who are not married or not, don't have families of their own. Uh, we were talking this week that singleness is something that uh, hap- it's not, there's not just one form of singleness. There are yeah. some that are unmarried, but there are other people I know even in the room this morning who they're single because they're no longer married uh, or, or perhaps um, they're here this morning, but they're married to someone who maybe is not walking closely with Jesus, but they're still coming to church and they feel a little bit displaced as well. You're not alone. There's a place for you. In fact, we love the fact that the majority of our Oikos groups and our, yeah. and our men's women's growth groups are multi-generational, diverse groups. They're made up of people that are coming from different life stages, yeah. different spiritual backgrounds at different parts in their spiritual maturity. And they come together on God's word to love one another and to encourage one another. But the reality is, is if you are single, it can feel a little bit difficult to plug in. And I just want to encourage you that um, you need that community. And I think you know that, you desire that, but sometimes it's hard to know the on-ramp into that community. But can I just share something with you? That even though there's some vulnerability that comes with that, everybody who joins into a small group that has to begin to let the curtain be pulled back on their life and be a little bit of their real self with some people that they don't know that well at the beginning, we all have to be vulnerable. We all are vulnerable. 
And so there's a couple of things we just want to know. There, there are places for you. Visit out there. Our, our ministry leaders want to include everybody in our church, no matter where they're at in life right now. We want to know that we've thoughtfully and prayerfully asked the Lord to have a place for everybody. And we are working hard to make sure that everyone feels like they know how to get involved and get community. But the reality is, is that we all need to be in small groups where we get to know others so that we can serve them and care for them, but also be known so people can know who we are, what our yeah. needs are, and they can be praying for us and they can be watching out for us. Because sometimes if we are disconnected or we isolate, we can actually be struggling, but no one's gonna recognize it because we've been a little bit disconnected. Yeah, it was, uh, when we were talking about this, I'd been just kind of researching a separate issue uh, that's happening in our culture quite a bit uh, with folks who have tried, uh, attempted suicide or spat, uh, battling with depression to the point that they were concerned for uh, whether or not life could ever be livable. And in that blog, somebody had referenced something that happened just last year, 2022. Uh, Bill Chappelle, NPR, um, was reporting that uh, at the World Aquatics Championship, two-time Olympic swimmer Anita Alvarez finishing an artistic swimming routine. So nobody was watching. She's on there on her own. Yes. I mean that both facetiously and in reality. Here she is with her coach doing a routine. And because a lot of folks don't see that as uh, an athletic um, thing, the, the athletes in that area actually try to invest way harder. They, they uh, go longer. And she went to the point where she had passed out in the pool. Nobody noticed what was happening. And her coach is watching from the sideline and is calling to the lifeguards. They're not responding. The people in the stands notice that she began to drift to the bottom of the pool. So the coach dives in, saves her life. And there's a whole newsreel uh, NPR has where you could see this whole scene unfold. Uh, they have cameras under the water at those championships. And you can see what had happened to her as they pull her to the surface. Shocking moment. But... Uh, this blog had highlighted this and asked this question. When you are under too long, who are the people that will look for you? They will notice and dive in to pull you to the surface. Who have you put yourself around so that you won't be submerged too long? One of the things we're inviting you to in this Group Connect moment is we're asking you to be known by other people. You might have a tendency to withdraw or feel like you don't fit in. Go against that nature. Get plugged in. Scripture has called you into a family. By your response to the gospel, you are a part of something bigger. You need folks around you who can notice when you've started to tank so that they can come alongside you and be able to lift you back up to the presence of the Savior. Mm -hmm. They can bring you back into fellowship, into a place where there is life indeed. So we're asking you, even if you feel that uh, I don't really fit in or that desire to pull away, Go against that and plug in with folks who will be there in those moments. And again, I just want to reiterate, if you are single, we're glad you're here. Yeah. That's not your identity to us. You're part of our church family and you are an important part of our church family. Yeah. So second question that comes up on the heels of that is, okay, so I plug in. What if my group is not a good fit? That Never can, happens, right? Well, actually it can happen from time <laughs> to time. Because again, every group is made up of sinners, and 
real people and we all are quirky and different. Yeah. I, one of the things that the, the word of God encourages us is to recognize the fact that God is the one that brings groups together mm-hmm. and he fits them together. And that can be a process that's a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. but he actually is glorified when a group of diverse people who have no real connection outside of their faith in Christ come together and actually begin to appreciate one another and value one another and serve one another and desire to be with one another. That is one of the ways that God shows off. Only God can do that. And so he calls us to engage, but then to allow that process to take shape and it can take a little bit of time. That being said, if you are in a group where, hey, I'm gonna sign up for this group and I get in there and I, I give it a little bit of time, but I just feel like I'm a little bit out of place. I don't feel like I'm connecting well with the people. I don't really understand maybe some of the other dynamics that are in the group. Um, it is not um, your, like you have to stay in that group. Mm-hmm. We have ministry leaders over every aspect of our, com- our growth groups ministry, our Oikos ministry, who are available and would love to chat with you if you need help. Like, hey, I'm, I'm not really sure if this is the right group for me. My encouragement to you is to not just pull out and disappear. It's to go talk to the ministry leader. And what they're going to be able to do is they're going to be able to listen to your story. They're going to be able to let you know they care about that. Then they're going to be able to help you discern, is this something that, yeah, it's a little bit awkward, but if you just hold on a little bit longer, it's going to, I mean, it's right there. What you're looking for is right there. They might be able to help you give perspective that sometimes our emotions can cloud. Uh, But if it is obvious to them and to you that this is not a good fit, they can help you get placed into a group that might be a better fit. And so that can be a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit awkward. But if you get into a group that's just not the perfect fit, my encouragement is talk to somebody about that uh, because we want you to find uh, a group of people that you can feel comfortable and connected with as you're here, part of our church family. And it's not always that the people that you're running into uh, are just a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It also can be... this doesn't work for me with my life stage with kids or my job changes or there's going to be a lot. So don't make assumptions if somebody says, man, this group isn't working out for me, uh, that they're making a character statement on a regular basis. What's actually happening is just life has moved them into a different place. And so we want you not to abandon the relationships. We want you to find one that, w- that will connect you. And sometimes building new relationships is hard and a ministry leader can also help you see if there's something that you can do that actually make that transition a little bit easier. Because sometimes when we're in a group and we're not connecting with everybody else, the common denominator is me. Yeah. Right? Sometimes yeah. I need to change maybe how I'm relating to people, be more open-minded, be more patient. And a ministry leader will come alongside and love you enough to say, I see you. I want to help you, but also love you enough. Can I offer a suggestion that might help you fit more uh, easily with other people? Yeah. Uh, Here's a question. What if I want to do all the groups? Well, unfortunately, this year, we are not giving a prize for the person that signs up at every table, but... Um, there, it's exciting when we get here. I mean, one of the things that you, that I feel as a, as a part of this church family, you walk into church right now, there's a, there's a supernatural spirit produced energy of excitement. People want to be together. We want to grow and we see the, the effort and the excellence that's being put out by our ministry teams to provide opportunities for you to serve. And it's like, I want to be a part of all of it. I don't want to miss out on anything. And sometimes we have seen in the past where people get overcommitted. And one of the things that happens when we overcommit is that something has to go. We'll start to pull out of things. And usually uh, one of the things that, especially if it's a new group and we haven't really gotten deep roots with other people, the thing that we'll give up first is our connection with the church. And so what we'd rather see you do is start slow. Pick one. 
maybe two, depending on your life stage, the rhythm. Consider, you know, what, what are the extra things going on in my life? My work schedule, if I have a family, how does that's going to impact the rhythm of our family? If I don't, you know, what do I, ha- what the other responsibilities are on me? Can I, can I really commit? Start small and let it grow naturally. Let it take time to form. But we would encourage you strongly to, to con- resist the urge to get involved in everything and know that the, the church is not going anywhere. We're going to continue to provide these things. And for sometimes it's just, this is the right season to be a part of this, which might mean I need to pull out of that. Yeah. We had another question, but we're going to ask some guys up here to help us answer it. And that was just uh, our small groups just for adults. Yeah. Um, but to answer that, we're actually going to bring up. Yeah, our family our life folks, team. So we're going to invite up yeah. uh, Pastor Tim, uh, Justin, Noel, and Ben Search. Would you welcome them to the stage? One of the reasons why we uh, have panels, uh, part of our Group Connect weekend, is we want you to hear the reality that um, everything that we do at the church is not just the idea of Justin or I or our leadership team, that God has brought uh, a great staff together of men and women who love the Lord, who have been uniquely gifted and equipped and called by God to serve our church. And we want you to just be able to hear their hearts uh, because we trust these individuals and we, we look to them to help inform us on what is it that these areas of ministry need and what is God impressing on us for how to go about doing that. And so uh, Tim, uh, Pastor Tim now is uh, our new family life pastor. We announced that a few weeks ago and uh, we have... Justin Knoll here, who is our high school director. He works with all our high school students and his team and his wife, Mackenzie. And then our new middle school director is Ben Search. And uh, we're just excited to have him and Ashley on our team serving our middle school staff. But we had a few questions for them this morning. Pastor Justin. Oh, you want me to ask him? All right. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, we try to plan the questions so that we can uh, land the answers, right? I think... Uh, Tim has the microphone first. So Tim, let me ask you this. How will kids in a big church find smaller groups in kids' ministry? Yes. Um, First of all, we don't always wear the same color shirt every time we go to church. (laughs) But today we did. Um, uh, How will kids at this church, as a large church, find smaller groups? Um, I wanted to start off with just a little picture I have here. And I... I learned how to fly fish basically from Pastor Justin. Um, But I have here a little fly. And uh, this is a little fly I actually made. And it took me way too long. And uh, so far, it actually hasn't caught any fish. But I I made it and followed some patterns. But there's no other one like this. This is the only fly in the entire universe that looks like this. Okay? In Scripture, it says this, I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Really, the heart from birth all the way to our young adult ministry is that every single person that walks through the doors would see themselves the way that God sees them, that they're a one of one, okay? This is a one of one, okay? Every kid that walks in, even though it's a large church, they are a one of one. So when they find themselves in D6, even here this morning I saw it, in cause, in the young adult ministry, Every single one of them, our leaders, also see them that same way. That God sees them as one of one. We do as well. And so we want to encourage them now to love and good deeds. And when they come in to these small groups, their situations also, we want to carry and walk with them through their burdens as well. Why? 
because God sees them as fearfully and wonderfully made, and we do as well. Yeah. That's awesome, Tim. So we, we have this model for small groups uh, at the, for all of our adults, this idea of making a large church come smaller. How is that represented in our student ministry and our children's ministry? Yeah. So um, in each one of them, there's a, uh, we have a teaching time, maybe a big group time, but then we divide up into smaller groups, and you'll hear more of that from Jay and Ben. Um, but there's these, these things called D teams, and that D stands for discipleship. And really the heart of our ministry is, is that uh, it's reflective in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The leaders aren't perfect. The leaders aren't the gurus. We are not the answer, but we know the answer. And we know who the answer is, and that's Jesus. And so we invite those students to then follow yeah. the leaders as they're following Christ. Awesome. So, Justin, you get to work with our high school uh, teams, and you get to not only shepherd our staff, but shepherd the students there. So how are D teams used in the student experience to kind of shape their discipleship or their spiritual growth? Yeah, well, how D teams work uh, for our high school ministry and middle school ministry, every, every other week they meet specifically with an age-level group. And in that group, they're going to go through a study through God's word inductively, asking questions, what sticks out, what matters here, what makes sense and what doesn't. And so we allow students to ask big questions, not being afraid to work through those hard issues, but it's also filled with relational moments that allow our students to see and experience that our leaders love them, that they're walking with them, and that they want to see investment beyond just listening to a message. So it's, it's bringing the Bible into application moments for our students to walk into. Yeah. And we just, we're thankful for that. That model was not always the model uh, at our church, um, but we believe in it so much for our adults. We, we have a slogan here that we say quite a bit when we talk about children's and student ministry, and that is that children are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. Yep. And so we don't start discipling once you get out of the home we start the moment that you place your faith in Christ or the moment that the parent starts to entrust him and partner with us, we begin to share the gospel and talk about a life following Jesus. And so Ben, you're new to our team as our new middle school director. And one of the things that kind of we talked about as we were even investigating God's call on your life and to work with middle schoolers, which is a specific call only given to a few people in the world. Um, They're very unique. Yes. But you just talked about your own, like middle school was such an impactful time in your life for your own faith. And so maybe just share a little bit about how small groups or just walking alongside other leaders and watching their lives, how that impacted you as a middle schooler and how you want that to impact this next generation. Yeah, and that's kind of a big reason that I'm here, actually. Like the passion, I feel like, is that calling that God has brought. And it was um, in middle school, I can remember a time when like, we had a group that was going out and ministering to um, some people in the church. And we were doing some service projects and stuff, and we were cleaning up the yard. Uh, it was me and another gentleman. Um, and this, uh, this man that we were cleaning up his yard for, he had a brain tumor. And so he couldn't do the work. And so we were, we were serving in that, and he came out, and he was just talking with us and stuff and kind of sharing a little bit of what he was going through. And I remember this moment. It was it was one of those moments that you just never forget and you hold on to. And it's from Proverbs um, 27, 17, where it talks about like iron sharpening iron. Um, and so does one man sharpens another. And that whole idea 
as we were serving, we were listening to this man speak, and he was just pouring out a little bit of his hurts and stuff. And I was listening, but um, my friend that was working with, he had so much compassion and just love for him. And just seeing that made me want to be more like that. And so, like, these groups are designed for that. Is As we rub shoulders together, we're going to change each other. We're going to draw each other up in, in God. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I want our church to hear as just one of the pastors is that when you have your child, and it's a commitment to have your child participate in D6 or cause midweek and on Sundays. And sometimes as we know about children, it, they're not always like super like, yes, I want to go. Um, and so as a parent, we can wrestle with that. But one of the things that I want you to know is that um, we're not just committed to teaching your kids about the Word of God, but giving them opportunities to hear how to apply that to where they're at in life and to watch the leaders model that. And there's great value in that for your child to just participate and to observe. Mm-hmm. And so we'd encourage you to, to help your kids. Like this is a great time for you as adults to go out after service and to get plugged into a growth group or an Oikos group or another area of ministry for your continued spiritual development. But if you do have children, I would encourage you to stop by the family life section. They've got a lot of great information all the way from our nursery, all the way to our young adults. And they would love to answer any questions that you might have for your family. And I think... Uh kickoff every single year, we'll, as a a group of leaders, all gather together. We're praying through what is going to happen. And consistently, this is the storyline. We have all of this excitement uh, that is going on, ministry by ministry by ministry by ministry. And and we'll get to the the children's ministry department or the junior high department, right? And there's angst. Where are we going to find the leaders? Where are we going to find those folks? Some of you have been praying about where, where is it that I can actually invest and make a difference in somebody's life. And you've, you've been walking with the Lord. You've got a solid testimony. You've been praying that God would give you guidance. You're just saying, I'm not sure that those kids uh, would be able to listen to me. I, I want you to understand what we need. We're not looking just for warm bodies. We are looking for people, though, who are being called by God to invest in people, young um, church members that are part of our church. And... We want to be able to bless them. And this might be one of the areas that God would lead you to come and join. Uh, These guys are doing an amazing job. The teams are doing an amazing job. But we need more folks to help uh, bless lives like this. In my own family, I can remember multiple times where our kids would say, my Sunday school teacher is in the audience at a a school event or something that they were doing. Uh, And it so impacted them, they were excited to go back to church and to be able to share what was going on, but also to rejoice with them. I'm thankful for the folks that invested in our kids. And I pray that you're thankful for these guys uh, running uh, all of those different ministries. So, yeah. 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 Well, we want to pray. And then like we said last week, we want to give you a little bit more time than usual to be able to stop by the booths. I want to encourage you, if you didn't do it last week, don't just head to your car. Go interact with somebody. Ask some questions. To sign up for more information is not a commitment to participate, but we really want to be able to help you find a place where Salem Heights feels like home. And I can just tell you from personal experience, you know, I attended this church for a long time before I became a staff member. And I was very content to slip in and slip out 
to give that kind of bro nod to a couple guys that I knew, you know, like, hey, and then leave. <laughs> yeah. But I, when Salem Heights really became my church is when I was invited to join a small group and I began to get smaller with other people. And God actually used that as a catalyst to, in a season of change and transition in my life. It was one of the things God used to help me uh, answer a call to join the staff here. Yeah. And I'll never be the same. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, as, as easy as it is to maybe just come and be fed every week by the preaching and by the worship and to, to get a few little kind of relational things met, there's something more for you if you will take the time to invest in God's church. He's designed it for you. And he will equip you to get the most out of it if you'll allow yourself to participate. So I wanna encourage you to go visit those booths. Let me pray for us a closing prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for uh, these men um, who are part of our family life team along with their wives and all of our staffs, Lord, who are ministering to uh, children and young adults every week. God, we pray that you would equip them for this upcoming ministry year and allow there to be great fruit produced from each of these areas of ministry. And God, for our church, would you allow us to be connected to one another? Would you, Spirit, bind us together, draw us together, and allow us to begin to experience the beauty and the fruit that comes from being a part of your church? God, we love you, and we thank you, and we pray for wisdom now as we head out from here. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.